Hi, this is Amy Impelizari, and welcome to Tall Poppy Writers Presents I Know How This Book Ends, where we deep dive into the story behind the story of the biggest books out this year. I am thrilled to welcome Jennifer Probst, New York Times bestselling author, and we are here to discuss her latest beautiful novel, Our Italian Summer. Jennifer, welcome. Thank you, Amy. I'm so excited to be here with you today. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited to meet you finally. I'm a big fan and I absolutely love your new book, Our Italian Summer. So we're going to dive right into it. Um, we're going to oh, talk. That means so much to me. Yeah. Oh, listen, it's a beautiful book. I always say, I'm always so interested. I re- I'm a writer and a reader and I read like a writer, right? So I'm always, uh, I'm, yes. when I immerse myself in a story uh, like yours, of course, it's so easy to get immersed into the storytelling. But then I think about what are the decisions she made as a writer? And so one of the first questions that popped in my head was, oh my goodness, where, when did she make the choice to tell the story from three points of view, which we know as writers is a very challenging decision, right? And then you made the <laughs> yes. decision to tell across three points of view, three different generations of women, which was a beautiful way to tell the story. But you have to tell me, were you always convinced that that was a good idea from beginning to end? Because you had to have found that <laughs> challenging. Am I, am I totally off base? Oh my gosh. You are so on base. It's ridiculous. (laughs) And we are definitely soul sisters because as a writer, I do the same thing. Maybe it's because we're writers that we get immersed in the story. And I want to know like, like behind the scenes, like I wish I could like go right into the writer's head and said, do you, did you really know about this plot twist before you wrote the book? Or did you know you were going to do that? And it's, it's endlessly fascinating to me. Same here. That's um, why I called you and asked you to be on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited because this book was one of those, um, I mean, I've been writing my entire life and romance is the backbone of everything I do. I always go back to romance. I always call it my true North. And Mm. there's, never been a time when I felt that burning need to write like this giant women's fiction book that goes across, you know, generations and everything until 2013, um, when I actually went on a trip to Italy with my mom, my godmother, and my 15-year-old niece. Oh my goodness. Um, This is where the story comes from. So what had happened is my mom was turning 70 years old And um, her dream was to go to Italy. She had always wanted to go to Italy. My grandparents grew up in Italy. They're from Naples. And um, my niece was taking Italian in school. And she was dying to go. And my godmother had wanted to go. So I came up with this idea. It was two years in planning. I said, in two years... This was when she was 68. I said, mom, let's take you to Italy on your 70th birthday. And we're going to plan and we're going to save and we're going to do this epic trip. So we did. We left all the men at home. Oh my goodness. I love this. All the, yes. And all the women, we booked a 15 day tour because that way it would take care of everybody. Yes. We made sure that everybody came up with their one place that they could not, that they really wanted to visit. So everybody like compromised. We found the right tour and we went ahead and did this. And as we were touring, my mind was just exploding with this idea of these three generations of women who were having trouble in their fractured relationships. Because to me, like the mother and daughter relationship is the most complicated. Absolutely. Female relationships 
they're endlessly fascinating, right? They're so yes. complicated. Yeah. I mean, men are so simple. I love them. Don't get me wrong, but they're so simple. It's so it's true. Like you put two women together and you're like, oh my God, the things that you could do. <laughs> it's so true. That is exactly yes. right. Men are simple. And as Ann yes. Garvin says, they're, men are lovely. They're like pets. <laughs> but, yes. Oh my God. And I'm raising two of them and I love them to death, but they're different. Yes. And so I remember one night I was um, in Venice actually, and I was sitting on mm. the, my windowsill looking out the window and my niece and I were rooming together and I started sketching out this amazing outline. And I was like, I need to write this book. So, um, yeah, so the origins of the book came from there. And then I came back from the trip and I was in back to back deadlines for my other romance novels. So I put it in a drawer and I said, when the time is right, this is what's going to happen. And so how many years later it was published in 2020. So, um, it took that long to really like find the right publisher and going back to your original question. Yes. When I started that book, Amy, the first thing I said was, what the hell did I get myself into? (laughs) I'm so glad to hear that. I'm glad it wasn't as easy as you made it look. (laughs) Not at all. The outline was easy and my outline was not, you know, a plotter's outline. It was just this character outline. Yeah. And then I said, oh, my Lord, I have to, you know, string this whole thing together. And I hoped that I had the writing chops to do it. So I'm not going to lie. It was, it was really a challenge. The first half of the book, I struggled. I felt like I wasn't maintaining that balance that women's fiction does. And what got me out of the weeds was, um, I was whining to an author friend, like whining a lot, like every day, like I suck, the book sucks and my career is going to tank. And my author friend said to me, I think you're trying to write this book as somebody else's voice. You're thinking it has to be women's fiction. So I need to write it differently. She says, you need to write it the way you write all of your books, like get out of your head and stop trying to be somebody else because she's right. Well, isn't that brilliant advice? Isn't it? But you know what, Amy, I know me and you would have given that advice to somebody, but I couldn't take it myself. Oh, yes. Right. Don't you always say, be you. Yes. Don't try to be Nora Roberts. (laughs) Yes. Well, let me ask you a question because people might not understand the distinction between women's fiction and fiction, right? And and romance yes. that you, you're talking about, um, writing across two different genres, romance and women's fiction. Yes. And this is a discussion I have often with writers' friends. And full disclosure, I was at one time in my life president of the Women's Fiction Writers Association. So, and I'm not sure I even have resolved in my head what the what the nuances yes. are of women's fiction. But I love to talk about it. And I have written women's fiction and I have written romance and I have also written suspense. So I have, you know, a, a great love and admiration for people who are exploring different genres. So what what do you think was different for you in your mind as you set out to write a women's fiction novel? That was different from prior genres that you had written in. I love this question. Good. Because I'm obsessed now with the women's fiction category. Yes. And I don't know how I feel about it either. Yes. I feel like they stuck it on a bunch of books and said, this is what it is. And I'm like, well, we didn't really get to, like, did publishers choose right. it? Right. Like, we didn't did name it, it. It was a publishing no. decision, right? So now no. we're trying to figure out how to work around that. Right. Yeah. And they did the same thing with like, okay, you're writing chiclet. And I'm like, no, no. Like, so, okay. So I go back to the basics, which is very clear for me. The A romance novel, and it doesn't matter 
what genre of romance. Um, there's two things that I feel like it always has. One, a happy ever after ending. Mm-hmm. So you know that you're going to have that. Two, the focus of the book is on the romance. There can be suspense. There can be drama. There's family stuff. Yes. There's a lot of stuff packed into it, right? Yes. Especially my books in romance. My publishers have always said, oh, will you straddle women's fiction and romance? Yes. And I was like, okay. Yes. <laughs> like, sure. Because I have so much family things in my book. Right. And, um, you know, complicated relationships with siblings and friends and, and big businesses and all that stuff. But in the romance, it, the romance comes first. It's right. the hero and heroines that goes first. And in women's fiction, there's romance in Our Italian Summer. There's actually two romances, yes. but they do not take over the book. They are a secondary plot for the characters. The main theme and and drive of the book is the three female relationships. Right. So they drive the book. Right. Um, so that to me makes it clear in my mind. So um, instead of flipping it, you know, my editor will usually come back, okay, we're losing the romance. The romance is the focus. Let's go back to goal motivation conflict of the romance. With this, I was able to explore just these levels of of female complications yeah. between relationships and focus on that and never worry that I'm off, you know, the beaten path. Right. And the romance just came naturally to it. So do you agree with that though? Do I do. Like- I think that is a brilliant, I think that is like a brilliant a way of putting it. And of course, just as you, just as you're describing it, I think it should be clear Neither one is easier or harder to write, but the focus has to be different when you're writing. And so I can imagine that being used to writing romance, you... You you may have when you got to the romance portions of of this novel have you know yes. maybe maybe that came easier or maybe it was hard to sort of move away from those I don't know but certainly being able to delve into the relationships with the women. Is something that you can't necessarily do in a romance novel. So now you are really, you know, this decision to tell this this story from the three points of view, I can understand why that would yes. be something that was so important to you because you really, you have the ability now to really deep yes. dive into these women's relationships in that, a way that you yes. wouldn't be allowed to do in a, in a um, romance yes. novel. Yeah. Amy, it's so true. And I'm sure it's like that with you when you go to like suspense or you you feel like, and you know, I've been, this is like what, my 49th book or something. So oh my when you goodness, reach Jennifer. a certain, oh my God, I'm so grateful. But when you reach a certain level, I just think in any career, it does not matter. You need to, and I love the written word. I, I love everything about writing and I want to write in so many genres, except history. You will never find me writing historical romance. I just leave that to the experts. That's so interesting. But- <laughs> I think that's probably, I think that's probably my place that I can't, I don't want to touch it <laughs> I would either. never even try to write. But being able to like go into a 70 year old uh, heroin was so refreshing for me because I was able to just funnel my grandmother's experiences. She mm. lived with us for a while. And I remember getting off the school bus and my grandmother would be waiting for me at three o'clock with a pot of coffee. Cause that's just how we, what we did and, and cookies. And we would sit there and we would talk. And I just loved learning everything about my grandmother. Oh, and my then goodness. I got to switch to like the 18 year old and deal with angst and kind of like bring that part up. So it was very exciting. 
writing. I, I just think that, you know, writers need to sometimes spread their wings. Yeah. And let me tell you something. I, I would love to know who, if you had beta readers or who were your, um, your readers as you were doing this, because I thought from a reader's point of view, the way you captured three different voices and the way I always knew where I was and believed them. And so had all of this empathy and angst that, that mirrored the point of view I was in, you know, whether I was in the teenage point of view or whether I was in the, the, the mother's point of view or whether I was in Francesca's point of view, I knew right where I was and I was feeling those feelings. So who, who were your beta readers? You're telling me about your grandmother. So she certainly was the inspiration for one of your points of view. Who were your inspirations or your, your checkpoints for your other points of view? Yeah. My, my other points of view, my grandmother was Sophia. Mm. Um, the combination of my mom and my godmother was, uh, Francesca. Uh. And just because Francesca is in her forties, like, and I'm in, I'm 50 now. It, it's, um, Same. it was, a we nice, are soul sisters. Yes. Yeah, so it was that was easy to kind of like dive into, you yeah. know, because I've been in that thing. And um, the eighteen-year-old, I really took from my niece, who yeah. was uh, fifteen at the time. My other nieces and nephews um, just pulled on different, different feelings. That was really tapping into what I went through. Yes. I just remember in my teens the most. Whether it doesn't matter what age you're growing up on, everything is so passionate. If you break up with somebody, you feel like you will die. If you can't see your friends on a Saturday night or go out with this guy, you feel like your life is over. And you feel things like love is like technicolor. And I remember that. So I just poured all of that in. And I had no beta readers, actually. What I did is um, I had an editor um, it was published with Berkeley, and my editor is a real crackerjack. So I knew that yeah. if I went off course, she would be good. But what I ended up doing is um, having another editor look at it, read it, and give me um, it's called like a summary letter. Yeah. Like a letter that just says, okay, this worked for me, this didn't. Look at this, look at that. So I was able to go back to the book and clean it up and see what is not working and then send it to my Berkeley editor. So I wanted two professional points of view at that point to make sure that I nailed it. Um, Beta readers are so critical, but I have never cultivated like a tight group of beta readers that I can trust with my life. So I rely on these editors to, to kind of like, you know, give me, give me the feedback and the more brutal, the better. That is so, what a brilliant decision on your part, because in women's fiction, we often hear uh, reluctance to allow the author to have a young point of view, right? So a lot of times you get pushback if you try to have a younger or teen point of view editors are worried that that straddles, you know, young adult or new adult too dramatically. And yet in this story in particular, you need that point of view to balance out the other points of view and to, to, to give you the, to, to really dive into the motivation and the, the impact that Allegra's, you know, actions and, and passion and, and everything is having on the other women and, and on their relationships. So I think, it's it's wonderful that you were able to really advocate and, and really come up with a way to sort of, you know, have a professional opinion on that point of view so that you could advocate for it. I think that was really brilliant. Yeah. Thank you so much. You just make me want to weep in gratitude because you know how it is when you're yes. writing this in the dark and then it goes out and and you're just so you're so grateful that you could get 
your skill to that level and tell the story that was in your head. Yeah. Because it, it seems never to match the the unicorn dreams in your head. <laughs> so when you get close, I it will never get old for me. Like I just know. knowing that you enjoyed it, Amy. Like I can't even oh, tell you you made my I week. love that. Oh, I love to hear that. I'm thrilled to make your week. Well let me ask you a question. So obviously you've told us about the trip that that uh, was referenced in your dedication and that that inspired this trip. And I loved what you wrote in your dedication that there were secrets that you spilled, but you didn't tell whom. Um, And so I have to wonder if you, I'm not going to ask you to spill those secrets or to assign them to anyone, but when you, when you finish this book, do you take it to your godmother, your niece, your mom, and do you tell them, do you let them read it first? Do they ask to take anything out? Do they ask to edit anything? Or did you not do that? Oh, that's another great question. And I'll tell you how I work. Nobody was going to see that book except me. They read only the final product. Yeah. I will... I will tell you a very funny story when I was telling them through Italy, guys, I'm going to write this book and it's going to be this and that. And I'm like, and I'm saying to my niece and I'm going to put you in it, but not you, you know what I mean? Like you as a fictional thing and you know, mom and my godmother was like, can I have an affair with somebody? Oh my gosh. I love your godmother. This (laughs) is fabulous. so much. I said, yes. I said, I'm going to give you a juicy affair. (laughs) And my mother was like, my mother was like, not me. I don't want one. Oh, this is perfect. This is perfect. So um, I've always said that all of my fiction is a little bit of truth wrapped around a lot of fiction. Yeah. You have to have some truth in there because that's just what makes, and truth is stranger than fiction. Absolutely. So I was able to take a lot of those zany stories that actually happened to us and most people would think they would be made up. Yes. But weave through the story, it wasn't. So no, I'm very careful about, I need to write um, it needs to be a pure product. It yes. needs to be all mine. Yes. Um, if I had asked questions or asked permission, it wouldn't have been mine anymore. So I guess I'm a selfish writer. <laughs> no, no, no. You're a pure writer. I love that. You're exactly right. And I always say the same thing. Just because it's fiction doesn't mean it's not true. So yes, I, yes. I love that you, yeah, I love that you feel that way too. <laughs> so we've talked a lot about your um, your transition to women's fiction and and. I know that uh, you've hinted that you hinted to me outside of this podcast that you're working on another project. I don't know if you can, how much you can tell us about it. Will that also be women's fiction? And is there anything you can tell us about it? Oh, yay. Tell us, tell us. I will tell you all the juicy details because the cover was just revealed this week. It's called The Secret Love Letters of Olivia Moretti. It takes place in Positano, Italy, the whole thing. Oh, um, I feel inspired like the by the same months, trip. Inspired by, no, I've never been to Positano. Okay. Um, but I've seen pictures of it. Um, it, I think if COVID hadn't uh, slammed down on everybody, mm-hmm. I would have taken a trip out there. Yeah. But I have a couple of friends who have been there for lengthy amounts of time. I had a couple of readers who knew. And so I literally, besides all the research that's available on the net, I talked to many people who had boots on the ground who could tell me mm. restaurants, yes. food, places to walk, what they did, where to go here. Like I think that's so important. So that's coming out. That's women's fiction. When and is it coming out? When will it release? It comes out February 1st of 2022. Oh, we can't wait. And it's about three sisters who lose their mom and go back to the house to pack up their mother's house and find this trunk hidden in their closet with secret love letters to her lover 
and a deed to a house in Positano. Oh my gosh. So they decide to go on this mission to go to Positano and find out who this mom, she, they thought they knew her and there's all these secrets. They didn't even know that they had a house there. Mm. So um, it's like this awesome adventure as they try to track down her secret lover and it unfolds her story throughout it. And um, it's just, it's so exciting and it's so, oh, it's just encompassing. I feel like the last six months I've been living in Italy. So yes, we have that on the docket. I have goosebumps. I can't wait. That's so fun. <laughs> so is is uh, is Positano on your your list for places when the world opens yes. up? Yeah. Positano and Sicily. Yes. Those are the two places that I'm dying um because I think the next book I'm I'm brainstorming right now. I'm also, of course, going back to my roots. Um, I wouldn't I will always write romance and yeah. I'm starting a brand new series of romance. The the book is called Meant to Be, and that's gonna be out next April. Oh, wonderful. Um, so that's gonna be a whole brand new series. So lots of good stuff coming. I've been busy in my cave. Yeah, you sure have. <laughs> Tell me about the di- the difference between writing a series meant to be is going to start off a new series. Is that what you said? Yeah. And yes. you, now you've written two standalone women's fiction novels. Yes. Um, tell me about the, the differences, the challenges, the joys. Um, is Do you enjoy working on a standalone next to a series? Does that is that why you're doing it this way? Yeah. You know what? Women's fiction for me lends better in one big epic novel Mm. and then it's done. And romance, um, I've come from like the last five years of just writing romance series. I adore romance series. I am usually my sweet spot with series is three full books and a novella, especially if there's that other character that I want to explore and I could decide. But there's something about the arc of a three book series. I will never get over that excitement when I'm reading and I I know, is this going to be the next character? Is that going to be the love interest? Is this going to happen? Um, It's fun for the readers and it's fun for me as a writer. But the only challenge is, as I will say, coming off the standalone women's fiction. And it was, I was a monster of a book because again, it's multiple POVs, points of view. Sure. Um, but I was just, I was able to really dive into it with nothing else. And it gave myself a lot more time. I took six months for this book rather than the usual three months. Right. I wanted time to savor it and get the right, it needed to be perfect. So I feel like we did that. And now writing the first book in this new series, I have to say it is challenging because I forgot how hard it is to plot two other stories and seed arcs for secondary characters, for the other characters, you know, so it goes into this bigger growth arc. It's just, right. it's a lot of skill to do a good sure. book series and keep the, the, you know, the pull around. So I just finished my first draft. I'm now working on the second draft. There's probably going to be two more drafts. Um, but it's, it's exciting to be able to, you know, be in both worlds like that, to be able to experience both. It's like you said, at the stage of your career, you want to be stretching your writing muscles, right? And you want to want them to be going in and and strengthening and honing. So this is, this is a great way to do so. I love that. Oh, that's so exciting. So (laughs) I was um, reading on your website about your real life romance, which made me really swoony. I loved the (laughs) idea that you said you met the the love of your life. Uh, He offered to buy you dinner before he and said that if you went to dinner with him, he would read your book. Is yes. that right? So yes. what, so what was, what was the book that was out at the time and did he read it? 
Okay, so this is even better. It wasn't even read the book. He said, I'll buy your book. <laughs> I'll buy your he book. Didn't... And as, yeah, that was like, that's great because I don't even care if you read it. Just right, go right, buy right. it. <laughs> Just go buy it. And, and it was, it was this, I, I mean, this was before, um, you know, the marriage bargain had gone viral. This was before, um, th- this was called Heart of Steel. It was my first book. It wasn't even available in the bookstores. It was available like through mail, like online oh and gosh, stuff like that. Oh my gosh, I love that. Oh my God. I love it this. It was just, but it. I don't care. It was my first baby and it was real. And yeah. it was like the dream of like 30 years of waiting. Yeah. And it sold like maybe 50 copies. Well, listen. <laughs> maybe if I was lucky. Is there anything <laughs> more intimate to a writer than someone who tells you they're going to buy your book? <laughs> that, was, that was it for me. I. I thought that that was, I always said to him, that was like a really smart line, honey. I was like, that got me like, yeah. it got me the second date. And the thing with my husband was that um, I met him later in life in my uh, mid thirties and I had kissed so many frogs and had <laughs> so many disasters and so much heartbreak that by the time my husband came along, I was like so ready for the for the nice guy, the funny guy, the guy who's going to be by my side and not and I said to him, I think if we had met each other 10 years earlier like when I was 25 yeah. instead and he was partying, I don't think we would have ever looked at each other different. Right. So we were both tired. And I know that doesn't sound romantic, but it actually is. <laughs> it's it, we just didn't want to be hurt anymore. We were like and we were like honestly, like my husband is the nicest person and I feel like I'm a nice person. I and so I agree when we with got that. Together, <laughs> we were like so relieved. We were like, oh, like so this isn't stressful, and there's no drama, and there's just niceness and fun. And within two years, it was a done deal. Like we knew it, it was so easy. Oh. It was just so easy. Isn't it wonderful that you didn't meet him earlier when it could have been the trajectory could have been totally whole, different. It's the whole fate thing. I yeah. mean, sometimes you just need to really torture yourself before you're ready for, <laughs> I mean, that was my path. I mean, I, you know, I was, I was just needed to be tortured for a while before I crawled out of it and said, okay, I'm ready. <laughs> right. And then, and so you met him after you, and he showed up, you write your first book and then, and now 49 books later, um, yeah, is he the inspiration he was... for a lot of love in your writing? No, no. <laughs> no, in a good way. No, in a good way. Like he's my real person. Yeah. Like he's the one who does dishes and makes me soon. He's the one who cooks dinner when I'm on deadline. He's the one who always shows up for me whenever I need it. Like that's something that maybe you would write about later, but yes. like I'm writing about the Swoonie first kiss and all that, which is awesome because I get to relive those yes. moments with my husband yes. in the first couple of years. Yes. You know, now we have two kids and all that. So I don't mean that to be like, it's just kind of like, that's, that's the real life that we have. And I'm so happy because I just need somebody, you know, in real life, you need somebody to show up and have yes. your back. And that, that's a different type of love. Like, but it's fun because I get to write the Swoonie love that turns into my husband and I's love. Listen, <laughs> you have, you have true <laughs> romance. That's really what you have. It's true. It really is true. Oh, Jennifer, <laughs> this has been so much fun. I could talk to you forever. Um, oh God, I can't wait. So lovely. Oh, I can't wait to, um, I can't wait to hear more about the secret love letters and I can't wait to get my hands on that. And then we're going to be so excited about your new series. The new series is starting with meant to be, and that's coming out April, 2022. 
Is that right? Yes. So you're going to have, yes, you're going to have two books early 2022. And I promise Amy will be the first to get the book. I, I am going to. One of the first batches. Well, we, we have, got it. we have that on recording now. I'm going to hold you to that. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Jennifer, thank you so much. Everybody go out and grab, if you haven't already, our Italian summer. It'll hold you over until the next Jennifer Probst novel. Jennifer, I am so grateful. Thank you so much. I'm grateful for you having me, Amy. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone. And don't forget to follow and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We are on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And of course, we're also on Speak.Studio as one of the originals, speakstudiopodcasting.com. Thank you, everyone.